whimsical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network for another week of SNL podcast coverage. This time we are here for our second feedback show of season 49 to talk about the Timothy Chalamet and Jason Momoa episodes. We're going to put the bow on those and then look forward to the December episode so we know about Emma Stone and Noah Khan coming up this weekend, but we got two more coming up after that, so we are going to preview those shows a little bit. We're going to answer your questions. We put out a form today. We got a ton of questions about SNL and the season in general, so I look forward to answering those. And we got some patrons who are going to be calling in tonight for some periods of time to talk through their thoughts on the season and answer some questions as well. So these are always really, really fun shows, and I'm so glad if you are hanging out with us live here on this Monday night. And I'm so pleased to be uh, doing the show tonight with the great Rebecca Norris. So Rebecca, how are you? I'm good, John. This is my first feedback show, and this is our first time podcasting, just the two of us with a sprinkle of patrons coming in. So super looking forward to that. Yes. So Rebecca and I started uh, podcasting together on the network, I think, towards the end of season 46. And I think it's the first time ever that we've just been the two of us on here. Obviously, we're going to have some patrons join us, but still uh, happy to be co-piloting with you today, Rebecca. Yeah, super excited. And the questions that we got so far are awesome. So make sure to keep popping those in. Yeah, for sure. So if you're watching us live in the chat, you can send in your questions throughout the show as well. We want to hear your thoughts on everything that's happening. But uh, Rebecca, before we dive into all the SNL stuff from uh, the last few weeks, how are you doing? How is uh, Thanksgiving for you? I'm good. Thanksgiving was awesome. We have my I was at my parents' house and we had 30 people. So that was just as chaotic as it sounds. So, so excited to be back in my new studio apartment to have some time to decompress and to still heal from all the food I ate. So when you say 30 people, is that like all family or are there friends there too? Yes. So it's family, it's extended family, it's everyone's brother, sister coming over. And it's really the one time of year we're all together and we are a shots house for Thanksgiving. So the second you walk in, there's a shot. But now what they've been doing is because I have a bunch of cousins around my age, like mid 20s, a little younger. And now that we're like in our 20s, everyone's like kid shots, kid shots in addition to the normal ones. So we all just got like wrecked by that so it was awesome it's the one time a year we're all together and yeah i think it's thanksgiving's like our holiday in the north family so it was still relaxing from that yes so much to be thankful for at uh, those holiday parties uh at your parents (laughs) place sound wonderful so uh let's let's talk about what we're thankful for when it comes to snl i think the last time we may have spoken to you was around the premiere so we'd love to know now that we're five episodes into the season how are you feeling about season 49 overall I think it's good. Things are feeling different in a good way. I've listened into some of the episodes and it kind of seems like people are agreeing with that. I know the number one thing up until last episode was the weekend updates were feeling super different with just the one star on there and the guest on there. And yeah, I know that there's been a lot of talk about like the Gen Z of it all and tying into that. So I'm excited looking forward to that because not only have like a lot of the hosts been maybe approaching to a younger crowd, but also the musical guests I found have been super in that realm too, like Noah Kahan coming up next week, which I know we'll dive into later. But it's kind of feeling like SNL took a step back and they're like, this is going to be our comeback season and 
we are going to, after COVID, things got a little, they were getting better, but things were a little dicey at that point. And I think now they're into a rhythm with a huge cast right now, but they know what they're doing. We're also heading into a political like season with the election going on next year. So that's always kind of a make or break time where it's either like really good or really bad. And so far we're seeing glimpses of both. So I don't know. I think this is, they're having a good season in my opinion so far. I've been really enjoying it. And yeah, I was even able to hop on to like some of the other um, episodes people have been doing. And it seems like people's opinions are differing on how they're feeling about the season and each episode. And I think that makes for a good SNL because that means it's relating and approaching to all different kinds of people rather than just like either the super fans or the people that don't usually watch. I don't know. It's been interesting so far. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it has been a good season so far. Has it been a great season? I don't know. I mean, I think that like there wasn't an episode that I really felt like was bad. I think maybe the weakest point was this Jason Momoa episode that we saw last Mm -hmm. time. I think that was general consensus. But ultimately, like this was the fifth episode in six weeks. I have to imagine there was a little bit of burnout slash also looking forward to the Thanksgiving holiday. Not to say that they didn't try their best with Momoa, but like I would think that, you know, if I if I had to put my money down on which of the five episodes would be the like best one in advance of the season i probably would say like chances are they're going to peak at three out of five and i think that's what happened with bargazzi where that episode was seen as like the favorite one from them all but yeah i think there was good moments in each episode so far i think i think if i had to compare like 40 48 through 18 episodes to 49 through five episodes i'm still probably favoring 48 right now but there's still like a long way to go we are exactly at the 25 percent part um i think we're expecting a 20 episode season this year so now i I expect them to kick it into high gear i think when you're gonna bring in somebody like emma stone to start off the december run and we haven't gotten the announcement yet on who the other two but i am expecting at least one more big name coming in in december Mm -hmm. i think the expectations are there that they're ready to sort of kick this season into high gear like everyone's refreshed and recharged and i think we could get a couple of really great episodes if not classics in this december run so not to put the expectation on the show but (laughs) no pressure but (laughs) that's what we do here i mean that's what we do is we say what we think and i i I think like i would be disappointed if we're back here for the next feedback show and i'm not like okay we had another bargazzi or at least like another great episode of the show i think that's coming how do you feel about it? I agree. I I think this season, it kind of has felt like maybe up to the Momoa episode, that SNL has been pulling out all the stops from like the guests to the type of like topical slash pop cultural like things. It kind of feels like they are kicking things into gear. And if you do look up the lineup of hosts, like Bargatze was probably one of the more low key people there. And I mean, his episode was by far my favorite, but you look that they had Pete, they had Tiff, uh, Tiffany Chalamet, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet on there and, and Jason Momoa and Emma Stone, they're pulling out big stops and big names. And I don't know, I think either they were like, here's, here's the thing with the strike. And we saw now that that's coming to an end now, but they were like, this is our opportunity to like, really do the thing while content has been so low recently and people are really looking at the talk shows, the live shows, all of those. So I think SNL is like, here's our moment. Our audience base is inherently going to grow because of the sheer lack of content out there that like we have to put in everything we can to make this 
awesome. And I think even having Timothy Chalamet kind of in the middle of the season only means that there are going to be bigger names coming out in the December episodes. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So we will have some patrons coming on in in just a few minutes. We'll have our first one coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, like I said, we got so many questions. So why don't we dive into our first question on the feedback show tonight, Rebecca. And this one comes in from our friend Fred, who says, does the cast feel slightly bloated to you? Despite how well the cast seems to get along and work together, do you think the show would consider not bringing back any members for season 50? So I guess we're back up to like 17 cast members now, Rebecca. Do you feel like it still feels bloated? This has been the age-old question since we started this thing a few years back with like too many cast members, but it, it has been less than before. So how are you feeling about it? So I have a hot take that I like when there's a bloated cast. And I know that's probably not popular belief, but hear me out on this is that they're not pulling for things. They're not pulling teeth and being like, oh, can you do this impression and having someone fill in in a sketch where they wouldn't shine. There's so much talent. And I mean, I'm a numbers person. You look statistically, if each person has five sketches, five impressions up their sleeve, they have a bigger pool of people that are able to do different things. And they don't need to pull, they don't need to repeat people and like really beat it to death, which I feel like we've seen in the past. You have a character, Stefan, for example, like that has been beaten. We love Stefan, but it's like, how many episodes are you going to see the same people coming up and the same things happening? And I think with not only, I think such a diverse cast from talent to just who they are as people, it is so diverse in that you're seeing, we keep saying on all these shows, and I mean, I keep saying it personally, like people are playing the right characters. And the reason they're able to do so is because there's so many people to select from that everyone can really shine in their own. And I mean, two people stand out to me that, I mean, maybe it's because I'm biased because I love them, but Bowen and Sarah have really unique personas and we don't see it too much. We see it just the right amount. And I know we can talk about the Jason Momo episode and Sarah's sketch there. And we've seen a lot of the Bowen ones so far where it's like, that's so them. And that's like the Troy Sivan. That we would be seeing that every single episode if it was a smaller cast and people would really get sick of it. And I think with having so much diversity in a cast and having such a big pool of people, I actually prefer when seasons are like that, let alone when they all get along together. And it's not pairings of threes that you're seeing together in every single sketch. It's the pairings are always different too. I don't know. Maybe I'm an optimist, but I like when they have that and we're seeing so much different content at one time. Yeah, it's a really fascinating question. I want to give my answer as well, but I do want to bring in our first patron who is with us tonight. So let me bring in the amazing Will Norman on the show tonight. Will, how are you? I'm doing great, John. I'm sorry you oversold me, but it's good to be here. Never, (laughs) Rebecca. Never. Hi, Will. (laughs) Hi. So how are you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, It was great. Super relaxing. Just stayed here uh, in town and didn't really do anything too crazy. Kept it low key. Um, Good time to recharge before getting back to work again today. So, all right. Um, Well, in Canada, we actually had ours about a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca had 30 people at her parents' house. So they do it great. Yes. Um, Yes. Excited. That's awesome. 
So, Will, we were just asked this question. I'm not sure if you got to hear it in the background, but basically our first question from the feedback show tonight was, does the cast feel slightly bloated to you despite how well the cast seems to get along and work together? Do you think the show would consider not bringing back any members for season 50? Uh, that's from our friend Fred. So I want, I really want to know your opinion on this, Will. Like when you're watching week to week, do you feel like this class, cast feels bloated at all or are you good with the number we have right now? Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of, I can kind of go both ways. I heard a little about what Rebecca was talking about, and I do feel like it is a large cast. I mean, just watching the intros every week, I mean, it takes a while to get through everybody. So, I mean, that alone makes you feel like it's kind of more than it usually is. But I also think that the writing has been really strong and has gotten strong in the last few seasons. So because there's so many different elements they can go to, they kind of need to have some more hands on deck to be able to fill in for the different characters, the ideas, and the different visions they have for the sketches. So I don't really mind and don't feel the sketches um, being, uh, you know, the, the cast being too bloated. Um, I think that when you have a smaller cast, it's great because you get to know everybody better, but you really have to have some superstars and versatile talent in there as well. So I think for right now, it hasn't felt bloated. I'm good with uh, the, the amount of people they have and the way they've used them so far this season. I was going to say, even the fact that like they have a new cast member and Chloe was able to have one, one of, if not the standout sketch of the season so far, is really kudos to the writing and also the spotlight that they're shining on each individual member. Because maybe in a past season of 17 people, she wouldn't have had that breakout moment till maybe the Christmas episode or the one following that. And like, really having your moment if you look at previous like bloated casts in that aspect like the stars that we talk about nowadays didn't have their breakout moment till so far so not only is the writing good i think the strategic planning of each sketch in each episode is really letting everyone have their moment i just think the world is so different now than it was back in the 70s or in the late 80s and early 90s where you could have like seven cast members and be like okay well we're gonna have like five white guys and two women you know like that's not it's not like it doesn't work now so um not that it worked then but you know what i'm saying like uh it's just that now like when you're trying to have a diverse cast you need to have like a larger group of people and the, the question really is you know to answer Fred's question is like where is the sweet spot like where is the number that you can have a cast where the cast is diverse enough that the audience feels like the show, no matter what your background is, is still for you. Like we don't want people watching the show and being like, okay, well, this isn't a show that was made for me. I'm, I have to go watch in living color. You know, that's not, that's not what we want now. So, or then either, but, but point being that, you know, it, it, we want to balance that with can a, not a super fan, but someone who is just a casual viewer of SNL still know who all of the cast members are. Like, where is that sweet <laughs> <No>. spot? <laughs> right. And that's the problem is that I do think 17 people is probably too much, but seven is too little. So I would venture to say that like bloated is probably the wrong word. Maybe we're slightly inflated. Like we need to go down to maybe the 14 or 15 mark. And then I think if that was what we got post to season 50, I think that's a comfortable number where you could still have different types of people to, you know, do different styles of comedy on the show where people could still be like, okay, here are 15 people that the general audience can know. Does that make sense? Well, Oh yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree with that too. And I think um, to your point, it's not, it doesn't feel, uh, I guess that bloated as you said before, like inflated, but I think that like having it smaller, um, so like that somewhere in the low double digits, I think is probably that sweet spot uh, without feeling like, so you don't know anyone on the cast or you're seeing people that shouldn't have that much screen time way more often than you want to. Yeah. Yeah. 17 people is crazy. 
I know it, it, it feels like a lot. Cause I just, I think like if I said to a lot of my friends who, uh, like, like SNL, but they're nowhere near as like into the show as I am, I was just like, can you name me every cast member that you can think of that's on SNL? Like, I think they would name, I think like some of them could get to 10. I, I, I don't know that yeah. any more than that. And that's like, that's not, wild. Right. And I, I think like <laughs> back in the day, you probably could get to all of them. And Again, like if we are building this world where we're trying to properly evaluate sketch comedy and who is going to make their mark on the show and then have careers off the show based on the stuff that they're doing on the show, you have to be fair to everyone to give them their shot. So again, I don't know that the answer is that the cast is bloated, but maybe a little inflated. And I think that maybe post 50, I would I would look to maybe go down a couple. Uh, and of course, if a new, there's a new you know executive producer, then perhaps we will get that. Um, so let me take this next question that came in here from Hallmark original movie, The Christmas Culkin, who asks, has hiring mostly stand-ups taken its toll now that they kind of can't have good impressions of Republican candidates because of their limited abilities? Additionally, should political sketches be a little bit more biting or more fun like the recent Panda Cold Open? So question is a little bit more political here. So we had an example recently of the Republican debate where we had the different candidates come in. Donald Trump, played by J.A.J., uh, comes in and basically interrupts and takes over the sketch. And as a result of that, the focus is on there and not necessarily on the impressions and who is playing who. And, you know, the question here, Will, is is was hiring stand-ups a problem when we know that election is coming so soon and we need some perhaps different types of uh sketch comedy actors to play these parts how do you feel about that yeah i mean i think it's a fair question i think we're seeing like you said with that sketch with it being kind of a more meta take on the the field and not having it focus on impressions i do think it stood out but i would also say that we are um, not quite in the thick of it that we will be when it actually counter turns to 2024, when we'll really have to have more of the focus on the election more so than we are now with more of the biting humor, more, um, I think the candidates will reveal themselves to have more specific takes and the writers will have more specific takes once we get a little bit closer. I feel like that sweet spot is uh, closer to obviously the end of this season and then early next season. Um, so I'm not completely worried about it, I guess, at this point in time with having the stamps. I think they bring other elements to the show that I think are also very valuable. Um, but I think that w I don't know if I'm concerned. I'll save my concern for when the calendar is 2024 for some of these impressions. Rebecca, how do you feel? Well, I was going to come in here and defend my stand-up comedy community. However, you look at someone like Chloe Feynman, who is an impressionist, or J.A.J., and they do significantly better in random impressions that they didn't come in with themselves. And knowing that, but I mean, that sketch in itself is meta. And I think a lot of it was the bit, because we're even seeing Higgins in there. And I don't think he will actually play that role moving forward. I think they were doing that as some of the comedy in itself. But I know what's going to happen then if this cast is still with stand-ups coming next season. I don't think there's going to be that big of a cast cut or that difference going into season 50 and i think that then we're going to see people being like these impressions aren't good then you bring in external people past cast members actors and everyone's like the cast is so big why do you need extra people and it's just a lose-lose situation and i do think we are going to see that happen especially as we're so early on and we're already getting political content there are so many characters that we need to see portrayed and if that sketch was a testament to like the actual impressions. I hope these people are really practicing right now <laughs> leading into the actual election. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I talked uh, for a while on this podcast a few weeks back about how important it is to establish cast members in these roles when it comes to the election, because I do think that these are pivot points in people's careers, both on the show and then eventually when they get off the show. It's like, yeah, this person played this particular political figure in the election, and there were more eyeballs on the show than ever, and this is when you are being judged for something like that. So is it fair to then put, like, for example, not to single them out, but I'm just saying, is it fair to put like a Michael Longfellow in the role of some you know politician when Michael Longfellow doesn't have the experience necessarily to like take an exact impression and then be like this is the person but um this is something that has happened for generations on the show is trying to fit square pegs in round holes and i do think that your ability to adapt and be flexible is you know a significant factor in determining you know how great of a cast member you can be like i do think these stand-ups knew what they were getting into when they got on the show and maybe it has been a little bit of more of a learning curve for them but if they want to succeed on the show, they're going to have to figure it out. And fortunately, they have people all around them who are really talented who can help them do that. I was just listening to Seth Meyers on Fly on the Wall a couple weeks back talk about when he played John Kerry during the 2004 election. He's not a great impressionist. And Daryl Hammond was like trying to help him figure that out. Like, you know, that's what's going to happen here is like JJ is going to have to work with people because he's such a good impressionist to try and make that happen. And the second part of the question to Hallmark was asking if should political sketches be more biting? Absolutely. Like definitely have a take here. I mean, even if you if it's a huge swing and a miss, I don't mind. But I do think, you know, we're getting to a point where playing with kid gloves doesn't work for me as much in the cold open. So I don't know. Rebecca, how do you feel about that? I think it needs to be. I mean, I even think the SNL political sketches are so in the culture that all these politicians are waiting to see who's going to play them. And in the case of a lot of a lot of people, then they will fight on Twitter about it and who's playing them and how it's going. And that's part of the allure of it. And I think they do need to be biting. I know SNL took a really big political stand to look back at the Kate McKinnon, Hillary Clinton, hallelujah sketch. And then that's when people were like, it's too political. It's too political. It leans way too much on one side. But unfortunately, we are in a climate, I would say specifically in America, but actually if you look at the world in general, we are in such drastic political climates that there is no really middle grounds anymore. Like there used to be, it's a lot harder to not take a stance and to make fun of both sides when you could always make fun of both sides of something, but they do lean one way. And I think then they might as well embrace it because that's what the platform is and that's what they're able to do. And I'm curious how it'll be when there are like debate sketches with both sides of the, not just one party fighting with each other. So I don't know. I think it should be more biting though, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that like, you know, the elections that are some of my favorites to watch from an SNL perspective are the ones where you have serious questions on the Republican side and the Democratic side about who those nominees are going to be instead of having presumptive nominees on at least one side. Like to me, that's like watching a professional sport and like knowing who's going to come out of like the AFC already. You know, it's like, okay, we know that for, you know that team's <laughs> yeah. going to make the Super Bowl. So like we only have to watch one <laughs> yeah, game, yeah. not two. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think uh, I, and it's funny looking at how they portray some of the political figures I do like when it's biting at times when it's necessary. I think that the last, you know, six years, four years, previous four years of like, there's been so much, th so many things that are so out of everyone's depth and what they've experienced politically. Like they kind of had to have a, a strong stance just because it was almost beyond parody sometimes. It doesn't necessarily need to be biting what I'm looking for, but I do need it to have a specific take. I need you to find the funny in every candidate, be, you know, fair and like have an equal um, amount of, you know, bite to both sides. Um, 
but it needs to have like a, a take, right? Like I think these these uh, pr- impressions kind of turn the candidates into a character that's familiar. Um, like you said, when we talked about last week, uh, John, like Sudeikis's Biden is very different, right? Than the iterations of Biden since then. You know, there, we haven't seen that like Uncle Joe, like that's very specific to his take at that time. So you have to kind of have find what's the take on that person and how they are portrayed to be able to. Um, had them feel like they're part of the show's culture with like an actual specific take on who they are as a person and as a candidate. Yeah. And Will is referencing when he was on the greatest cast members countdown podcast and he was awesome on that as well. But um, Will, I want to know, is there anything else from the season, any other stray thoughts that you wanted to bring up things that you have been thinking about as we are now through 25% of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think so far I have enjoyed the season. I feel like it. it we're talking about you. I heard you talking about the you know the Stone coming up and the guests that are on the way. It feels like it is starting to warm up. There was kind of a feeling out period. I think as everyone was getting back into the swing of things, the timing being thrown off. But um, these last episodes have been some of my favorites. I feel like every episode about there's been a sketch or a moment that I feel like will be still that will still be talked about when we're talking about the season finale at the end of the year in terms of like what were the best moments from the season so i've really been enjoying it i'm excited to see how they kind of go into this december um this december run of shows and then how do we kind of really kick things off as well into 2024 when we really start off like that political season we're talking about before yeah i can't wait and i can't wait to keep talking to you about the season buddy so thank you for joining us tonight and uh looking forward to talking to you soon will 100 great to see you you both of course have a good one thanks will so, Rebecca, you ready to bring in our next patron tonight? Let's do it. All right. And if you're watching and you're like, hey, I could do that. Well, yeah, you can. You can join us <laughs> at patreon.com slash the SNL network and register and come on to the next patron feedback show. So uh, we'd love you to have as many people on as possible. But I am so excited to bring in my man, Ian. Ian, how are you? Um, Ian, I cannot hear you. Um, no, maybe uh, just connect. Maybe just go into your settings. Check the microphone settings. In the meantime, I'll ask Rebecca the next feedback question, and then hopefully we'll get you in in a second. Okay, Ian? And if you want to put yourself in the backstage, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. Up to you, but uh, we'll get to you in a second. So, Rebecca, while we keep going, let me ask you this question from Matthew, who says, uh, do you think Mikey's legacy, so Mikey Day's legacy, will be remembered more by his time in the cast or by his and Streeter's writing? I think Mikey Day's time will be most remembered by him in the cast. And I might be saying that now there's obviously like a recency bias to it and that we're watching him have an awesome season and that's coming off of a few really, really great seasons for Mikey. So, I mean, right now I could pretty strongly say like his time will be remembered for him in the cast. And if he does remain on this cast for the next year or two, I do think that there we were just talking about political roles. I think there's a lot of opportunity for Mikey to have a really solid impression that like he is tied to and to see because Mikey kind of teeters on that, like really good kind of actor in a sense and a good impressionist in that other sense. So I think there's good longevity for him in the election season coming up in 2024. And I might just be saying it because he's really having an awesome season, but I think his time on the show will be remembered more than his time writing the streeter. Interesting. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, I, I think it's the cast now. Like, had he left when Melissa and Alex left, I may have said more of his writing, and it would have been like that Mikey Streeter yeah. combo where you always knew what like a Mikey sketch was going to look like. But he has completely transformed the second half of his career. I was trying to think of like other comps. We may have discussed this on a couple of shows, like of people who had like, I'd say like 
not bad, but like okay SNL careers and then like really took off in the second half and like created this new journey for themselves on the show where we're all talking about how great they are. I think the closest comparison I can think of is like Tim Meadows maybe who was on the show for five seasons in a cast that really like didn't use him well and then it like sort of took off from there. I think Mikey's probably reaching higher highs, but I've been very impressed with what we're getting from him so much so that I do think people are going to remember his time in the cast more. But uh, Ian, we have, do we have you now and do you have an opinion on this? Well, I think a little bit of both, but I, I don't know how, how much is writing recognized besides like by super fans, really. Is it? That's an interesting question. I mean, when I first started the podcast, um, you know, I would talk a lot about like cast members and like what they would do on the show. And then I it wasn't until like I really started interacting with people like in our live chats that I was like, oh people like care about who writes the sketches and oh, like I need to notice these patterns and it completely like changed my view of the show uh which is like oh when the writer like when there's certain writers on a sketch like the sketch like has a different t- like I, I just like it developed my viewership of the show in a way that like once I understood it that way I was able to go back and watch these sketches over again from years past and be like oh I get it now like that's a Jack Handy sketch you know um so you might be right it might take like that extra level to know the writing versus like the casuals will just know him as Mikey David cast member yeah but I mean I still feel like it's a it's a matter of both really and it's crazy because i feel like he did in like his career went up as he he went in which is cool um yeah well ian how have you enjoyed these last two episodes of the show did you have any thoughts about chalamet and momoa well i just rewatched momoa and i i enjoyed it on the second watch um i should have i should have rewatched the chalamet one but that's okay. <laughs> did you have any like stray thoughts or anything that just you just enjoyed it or anything that you took away from those episodes? Well, I know I love Chalamet and I'd be happy to see him be like a recurring like a like I think you've said it before. Someone said it before is like this generation's Timberlake pretty much just coming in. Yeah. And, so I, I like seeing him and he always makes me laugh. I love the horse sketches. Uh, MMO is yeah. fun. Um, both. I rewatched the Christmas his Christmas one before he before Saturday's episode, and then rewatched Saturday today, and yeah, I like Momoa too, but not as much as Chalamet, I guess. But both of them, I, I did enjoy. Well, it's a great pivot to our next question, which comes from I'm Alive, who wants to know. Given this is our third consecutive returning host, which means, you know, referring to Emma Stone coming in this weekend, do you think we'll see more returning hosts than new ones this season? And if so, why the change? Because over the last couple of seasons, I think we had like more one-time hosts than like ever. So Ian, do you have a thought on this? Do you think like if we're going to predict the final 15 episodes, we're going to see more returning hosts or more one-time hosts? Uh, I thought I think I've said it last time. I do love seeing the newbies because I loved when uh, like seeing Nate Bargetsy. His name was cool, and uh, when I first saw it announced, I was like, "Yes," because I loved his stand up. And same with Bad Bunny. Uh, I wasn't sure what we were going to get, but I was like, oh, "Okay, someone new to the show." Because I always like to see how they do, and it's some some people kill it on their first try, and some, you know, it's hit or miss. But I like that. But we, I also enjoy when we know someone's going to come in and kill it. Like Emma Stone, we know it's going to be great. So. Um, but I do want to see more up until 50, bring in some newbies and then 50, we can bring in all the, all the classics and the greats and duos and stuff, in my opinion. (laughs) 
Rebecca, how do you feel about it? I know I was already talking about it earlier, but like, girl, the strike, like, I think we are going to see a lot of returning people. And even just like in the zeitgeist right now of like podcasts. And I mean, I was home for the last week watching all the daytime talk shows with my mom, but like all the people on The View, the Kelly Clarkson show, Hoda and Jenna are like insanely popular, like really, really famous people. And I was like, oh, I don't think I realized that they came on all these shows this often. The lineups were like stacks on Hoda. And my mom was like, yeah, they're not this big. And I think now that people can finally talk and like plug all the things that they've created and have not been able to promote, then they're going to take the opportunities they're getting. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Seth Meyers because he was not only on Hoda, but he was also on Los Culturistas and the podcast you mentioned. Like he's been everywhere. I wouldn't be shocked if he hosted maybe even the Christmas episode or something like that. I think these people just want to speak now and they want to do things. So I feel like it could be a lot of publicists also reaching out to SNL and making that connection. So I do think we'll be seeing a lot more of these third time hosts or multiple time hosts because people can finally do things. And like, there's this new freedom to promote that they're just looking forward to. So I really think that this will be for at least the next like four episodes returning people. Yeah, you're on the right track, but I can tell you it's not Seth Myers for the Christmas show. That I do know. Um, but maybe we'll see him down the road. So you never know. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, look, in my opinion, I agree. Season 50 has to be a very special season. You have to have classics that are back to host. Season 49, I'm sort of okay if you get you know a balance of newbies and old. I do think the past couple seasons have lacked like the big name recurring hosts to come back to the show. Like We did get the Mulaney, very special five-timers club episode in season 47. Um, we had some like old returning cast members like Will Forte, and stuff like that come back uh but you know season 48 like i said so many one-time hosts we Mm -hmm. i guess we had steven marty which was like the really exciting episode here the question will be like can they bring out some old favorites for a random season of the show or will you only get like the tom hanks's of the world and like maybe like justin timber like returning to the show one day like you know those people that have part of the five times can you only get them back for the special season so that is a big question also though there have been so many cameos like people just want to be at snl and they want to watch it and they want to come i think snl would be kind of like dumb to not grab these opportunities on a random kind of season leading up to season 50 because the more names that are out there the more people that'll be watching going into like a pivotal major season so i do have high confidence in like their host for this the rest of the season yeah for sure all right let's take this next question that came in from at dylan dot underscore dot read on instagram who asked us uh are there current are there any current cast members that you fear will be axed or leave at the end of the season so um yeah i mean this is always a very interesting thing to discuss i don't love to be like who's gonna lose their job so i just want to be careful but uh maybe we'll say like is there anybody who's like on watch that we think like maybe could use a boost towards the later half of the season? Rebecca, if you had to predict somebody that you would like to, like if you had the power right now to give somebody <laughs> a boost for the rest oh. of the season, anybody okay. you would give it to? Okay, you said a boost. I thought you were going to say the boot. And I was like, no, not the boot. Not the boot. I'm that. honest. I, oh my God. Yeah. Who, tell, us who, tell us who you would fire right now. But uh, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I want to like spin it a little bit more positive. I want to know if you could like lift mm-hmm. somebody up and like move them up the rankings towards the second half of the season, who would you do that with? Yeah. 
one, I don't think anyone's going to leave on their own behalf right now because, again, we just spoke about season 50. No one's going to want to leave because they're going to want to be in all those special episodes, in my opinion. I think we've seen some of it so far, but extra excited for Punky to keep getting that boost up. I feel like there was one episode where she had three new impressions. Like, I think we're the Timothy one. I think we're seeing a lot more um, Punky. So that's someone that I've been saying for the past two seasons, like, could use some love. I think Michael Longfellow and Dismukes is actually the person I think I'm most shocked about. I thought he had this like really, really upward trajectory and I'm just not, it's not hitting for me as much as I would like it to. So I think those are going to be my three, but I'm excited that this punky is like getting momentum right now. And I think that should be exciting, but I think also Longfellow and Devin should probably throw their hat in the ring in some of these like maybe far out sketches or impressions. Ian, anybody you could give a boost to right now on the cast? I I second Longfellow. I loved all of his update bits last season, and I'd love to see more of those. And, you know, I've heard people rumoring, or not rumoring, but like saying that if Jost and Che leave, he would be a good replacement, which I agree with. So I I don't want to see him go anywhere. Um, I also don't really want to see Jost and Che leave, but I know eventually they will. but yeah, I I definitely second Longfellow. Would like to see more Andrew, and because yeah. he gives me a lot of Tim Robinson vibes in a lot oh. of his sketches. Um, I feel like yeah, I'm sure I don't know if his his writing is uh, probably inspired from, and I think they even had a hand in it. Him and Zach Cannon, one of the older ones, like that what was it Jack Flats or something. I, yeah, back in '46. Yeah, and that may yeah. be where I'm drawing the comparison as well, but. I do want to see more of him as well. So, but it is interesting to think about going into 50 and if all these featured players move up, that's like a big stacked cast. And if they're bringing more featured players, that's even like more people. So I really don't want to see anyone leave. Um, right. So, but yeah, I, I would say I would be very, very surprised if they added any new cast members between now and season 50. I think they only added Chloe Trost uh, with all respect to Chloe and her talent. And clearly she is going to be a great cast member on the show. But I think they only added her because I think adding five cast members last year was like, it was like a lot probably to do and then i think she was like waiting in the wings and her connection to pdd it sort of made sense i would be very surprised unless like heidi and mikey and bowen and like those types of people decide to leave on their own or let's say colin and jay um before 50 but like let's be real why would any of them do that um like if they decide to leave on their own, I can see the Madden cast members. I really can't see them adding anyone between 49 and 50. I think they're going to run it back. Uh, my boost that I would give to would be Molly Carney because I think that they, you know, really need more time on the show to be able to develop and see like what they can do in terms of characters uh, potentially that they could play. I just think like, like I said, uh, Molly had an amazing Anna de Armas episode, had this breakout moment and then we were all expecting Molly to have this really much improved season 49. And I think that I've seen the least so far from Molly, though they've been in some stuff. I haven't really seen them anchor anything so far in season 49. And like that is my my Christmas wish is just like give me something over the next three episodes that I could be like, OK, that's a really interesting Molly Carney piece. So we could start to figure out what Molly could do on the show more. So I'm not saying that they are going to get the axe by any means, but. I think it's time we can see more from Molly. 
Can I uh, add something about Molly real quick, though? It's sure. Sort of, yeah. I thought it was interesting. It was ha- yeah. I was excited to see them in both the PDD movie and, spoiler alert, Good Burger 2. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cool. I just, uh, they're getting bigger. Well, I guess not, maybe not bigger, but like movie roles, which is cool to see their career is going somewhere elsewhere as well as SNL. I'm sure, I'm hoping we'll see more of them as the season goes because yeah, they always make me laugh. Like clearly Molly fits in with the group here and people like yeah. Molly. Yeah, there's no question, Rebecca. So like, I, I just think, um, I would just love to see the opportunity. Like I, just, I, I would love to know again, if I could like sit down with Molly and ask them the question, like I would love to be like, Molly, like, are you writing things and then they're just not getting on? Or are you just comfortable where you are right now to be that like B roll or C roll or D roll in a sketch perhaps? Um, in which case that's fine. And you know, that is again, sort of what Punky did. And now we're four seasons in with Punky and Punky's having, um, you know, somewhat of a breakout season. So it's an interesting thought experiment and we're going to continue to explore this. But Ian, I do want to uh, thank you for coming on with us tonight and just would love to know anything else you want to talk about from season 49 or are you good? Um, I actually wanted to just say two things that I noticed from the Momoa episode that I don't know. Of course, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, in the PDD sketch, I think I saw a Blockbuster card in John's wallet when they snagged it. <laughs> okay. Like, like just, little... just like a like a throwaway or you think he had oh yeah i guess like he wouldn't have a real blockbuster card, so yeah. yeah it was just like you, it looks like what that's what it was as the wallet was passing and kind of open i'm like that was a fun little touch for whatever reason and there was two back-to-back momoa mullet sketches which i thought was funny because he had a mullet in man in the mullet. The, yeah the momoa in the taxi <laughs> one and the one before it the, the uh, tennis one his tennis character had a mullet and then the taxi driver had a mullet i thought that was funny See, that makes more sense in the tennis one for him to have the mullet because of the time period that place took that sketch took place in. But the taxi, not as much. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. It, it was more of like a dog, a bounty hunter kind of thing. Ah, uh, right, right, yeah. I just uh, like, it, interesting just observations. Funny. Yeah. Well, Ian, did you like did you like the mullet? Like, yeah. do you think this is something patients should adopt? Yeah, that's why I noticed it came back because I, I saw it in this tennis one, and I was like, I think Momoa could pull off a mullet. And then he had a mullet in the next one. I'm like. Oh, yeah, he's certainly good. I'll clip this and send it to him. Cool, thanks. Awesome. I hope he listens. Well, Ian, <laughs> thank you for joining us. You had a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, it wasn't bad. The lines lost and the food was good, so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Damn that Jordan Love. I played against him in fantasy this week. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ian, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Looking forward to chatting with you soon. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Bye. All right, Rebecca, you ready to bring in another patron? Yes, let's do it. Rebecca, are you having fun tonight? I'm having so much fun tonight. This is awesome. This is like super fast paced. I mean, because I usually do a lot of like the Monday roundtables. So like this is so fast paced. I love it. Great. All right. Well, we're going to keep going. All right. Let's bring in uh, my good friend, Fred, on the show tonight. Fred, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to see everyone. How are you doing? Here, Rebecca. Happy Thanksgiving. Do you have a good weekend? I did. Yes. Like Rebecca, I had a big Thanksgiving as well. Um, in New Jersey. How many? At this point, with like the partners and babies, um, it could be upwards of 30 for sure. Wow. Yeah. East Coast Thanksgivings. That's yeah, what it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it was great. Incredible. Well, uh, Fred, I would love to know from you uh, any thoughts on the last two episodes of SNL that we saw, Chalamet, Momoa. How are you feeling about the season right now? I'm feeling really good about the season. I think they're doing a very good job of like transitioning 
into a bit of a, maybe like the next phase of SNL. And, you know, not to like throw this term around too much, but like, kind of like a younger Gen Z feel, but still kind of stick into like the integrity and like the DNA of the show. Um, I, I don't know if it's a recency bias, but I do really like the season so far. I can't say I love the Momo episode, but yeah, um, he just has great energy and good vibes. I, I can't blame him for how I feel about the episode. It's just, you know, I think like Bad Bunny through Chalamet were great and um, it's just bound to happen. Like it can't be perfect all the time, but I thought like those three were like, pretty strong. Totally agree with you. Yeah. All right, let's take some more questions, Fred, because we'd love to get your opinions on some stuff coming in here. So uh, this next one comes in from our friend Ken George Jones, who's live with us in the chat tonight. So Ken says, the Timothy Chalamet Boy Genius episode felt like an attempt at drawing in the Gen Z audience, but so much social media response was backlash against PDD's Hamas joke or against the Britney sketch. Do you think there is a fundamental disconnect between SNL and younger viewers or do you think such a vocal negative response was just due to the episode? How would you try to bridge the gap between SNL and younger viewers, if at all possible? Well, Rebecca, you're an expert on younger viewers. So do you think that SNL needs some work to bridge the gap here? Or was it just the nature of the episode? Yeah, this is like my favorite thing to talk about. And I mean, you'll hear me on every single show I'm on here saying that SNL is really trying to become like really speak to the Gen Z crowd, even looking at like, the hosting. I mean, having boy genius on itself, I was like, this is kind of deep cut. And like, I love it. And yes, I do think that they do need a little additional help. I think if you look at the writing, like there are a lot of people on the cast that are relating to Gen Z. I mean, please don't destroy blew up because of TikTok. Like there is that bridge. And I would say even Bo and Yang probably not being Gen Z, but like is a really good Gen Z correspondent, weirdly enough. And I think a lot of his sketches will also connect I think that there needs to be just like maybe more Gen Z writers on, on the staff instead of people that are not Gen Z trying to relate to Gen Z because that's kind of how a lot of it is coming off. So that's my thought on that. I think that there's a valiant effort so far and I it, it always goes back to like the TikTok like sketch when TikTok was first really big and they were like doing it in the hospital and going through that. I was like, this is the most like gen z like kickoff and then it is foreshadowing the next like two three seasons to see like they really are trying and i think the effort is seen and appreciated but then you talk about the fact that the hamas joke and the britney stuff i think what happens a lot of it is that people one are not seeing the whole sketches a lot of gen z and it's clipped on social media so you're either seeing a tiktok clip of it or you're seeing someone tweeting it or a news article that it's quoted so the hamas joke does not translate in, in a clip saying. So you read a news headline and instead of actually watching it, it was, I thought the joke was like pretty funny. Um, I liked it. And people clipped and people read just the headline on the joke and they're so quick to be like, I'm political. Here's what I'm going to say. And they're just going to have something to say about it. Even though like, if you actually listen to it, it, I mean, if it could be offensive, I'm sorry if it is offending anyone, but personally it didn't offend me. And I think that um, people don't actually watch the whole thing. And that's a huge thing with Gen Z and the 30-second culture, if you watch 30 seconds of something. And the Britney stuff, I mean, I read the book the day it came out. And 
that was not an offensive sketch to Britney. Like Chloe Feynman has been sitting on this Britney impression that we've seen on Instagram for so long now. And I don't think it was offensive personally. And I read the book. There was like something where like the, uh, like her manager, I think it was somebody pretending to be her manager said that they hated the sketch because SNL like asked Britney to host or appear on the show recently. And she said no. So this was them like back giving backlash, okay. but this wasn't a thing. Like I, then the, yeah, like, her no. manager like tweeted that it wasn't true. So look, these controversies pop up all the time. We saw it last season yeah. where we had, um, the try guy sketch and that like blew up in its own way. Fred, to me, like the same people who are sitting there, and I, and I, I will give the caveat that if somebody's offended by like a uh, political or you know religious you know joke, that's their right. But besides that, like the same people that are complaining about like things that they don't connect with on the show are just like over the moon about SNL being the coolest show on TV <laughs> when Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey walk in the building. So like, it's, like it's sort of fickle. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very difficult world to navigate these days. I think that if it wasn't that, maybe people would have jumped on something else. I didn't view any of those as like very offensive as well. Um, you know, I think comedy is kind of shifting and there's like two schools of thought. And I think I'm a, a little bit more old school that things can be biting and like a little edgy, like respectfully, of course. So... Uh, I just think it's very like I'm sure in like the last 49 years, had there been social media, this would have been happening for the last 49 years. But it's just like a very different time, and it's kind of expected. You know, I want to be respectful of everyone's opinions and how they feel, but also it's it's almost impossible to avoid at this point. Like I agree, I agree with Rebecca. Like I I don't know. Like some some of those sketches, it wouldn't have crossed my mind that yeah it would have been offensive like but controversy is part yeah. of snl's dna like Sinead o'connor yeah. ripping up the picture of the pope like that's something that, that people still talk about like years and years later and like you can feel like okay however you want to feel about it like did snl handle that properly like should they have made fun of Sinead o'connor like should people you know like it's just like you go back to the history of the show through every era there's different things and like what happens now is just we happen to be working in a social media era where as rebecca said like people are not getting full context for anything unless you're like one of us and then you're coming here for additional context in which case there's like a nuanced discussion to be had so do i think that snl needs to bridge the gap between uh younger viewers and and like what they are doing right now i don't think so like i think what they're doing is working it seems like the ratings are good the cast is like going after like i, I don't even mind like the old man view of like oh like snl's like trying to be cool to the younger people like to me like that's funny like i'd rather them do that so I don't know. I, I don't have as much complaints about this as maybe some other people do. And it's been much worse. Like, I feel like they're not even trying that hard. Like, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Like, I also wouldn't want them to, like, pander to Gen Z too much either. I mean, they're not the only viewers. So I think they're doing a much better job than, like, the days when they would, like, throw in TikTok here and there, which I felt just was, like, they didn't really know what they were doing. And I feel like Marcelo and, like, all there's, like, so many young people that are doing a great job. Um, I don't know. The thought didn't quite cross my yeah. mind. I will say the one exception where I do take pause is not in the, like, we're going to go back to that Chalamet episode, is not the Britney sketch, and it's not the Hamas joke in the PDD pre-tape. It was the Troy Savon sketch, where I do think that, like, that is a, like, specific target 
for that sketch that like really, really works if you get it. And if you don't, it's sort of like, who is this guy? And I just think like, those are the types of things that they have done for generations, but don't work as much like they don't have as much of a hit rate. Because what happens is, is like, not saying that Troye Sivan's not going to like become like the next Taylor Swift, but I'm just saying like, in terms of popularity. But at the same time, like, there's, yeah, uh, there's, <laughs> right, there's a decent chance that in like, 15 years from now or 20 years from now, like people are like, who are they talking about? And like, what is this about? Like if they go back and watch that sketch. So like that is the area that I would probably say, like pick and choose your spots there. Maybe don't pick as much like, Oh, we're going to take this TikTok trend and then turn it into a sketch. Uh, because I do think that the the difference between that and then going after like the latest news story is that the cycle time between TikTok trend being popular and SNL making fun of it is like, like the, the, the trends are like so quick to live and die that like SNL just like can't catch up to it. Whereas like if we're yeah. going to take this bigger news story that's happening, I think that's a little bit different. Yeah. When I was at the hot take show, I was in the chat for that after Timothy Chalamet and the entire time, no matter what we were talking about, the chat kept going back to Troy Savant's sketch and like, <laughs> we're obsessed. it was so controversial. And I mean, I was the target audience for the Troy Savant sketch and like, it was amazing. And then everyone else was like, what is this? What is this writing? I don't get it. So I think it was like a tad too niche. And like, that was a stretch to relate to the Gen Z culture. Cause right. yeah, I don't know. It was interesting, but I, I kind of lived for that moment. It was bizarre and so confusing for so many. Yeah. I had to like Google him and then I was like, Oh, him. <laughs> but like, I didn't like know him by name necessarily. Yeah. And then, like, I also, like, the other question I have is, like, do Chain Joe's just have, like, a free pass at this point? Because I feel like they say things way more offensive all the time, and I don't hear anyone say anything. Or maybe I'm just not tuned in, but is it just well, assumed, like, it's weekend updates, so, like, it's going to be, like, more edgy, and then, like, you know, elsewhere it's more, like, scripted and whatever? I think they have like a little bit of like veteran status where, you know, they could probably get away with things for just being on the show for so long. Like a lot of the people who are talking about like younger viewers who would be offended by things that Jane Joe say have like only ever seen Jane Joe's do weekend update. So for them, they're like, okay, well, these are the guys that do the fake news every single weekend. So I think it's like, it's a little bit less than, uh, like they have a shield around them in a way that maybe PDD doesn't yet because like they're just reaching like their you know, climb to the peak of popularity. Hmm. Yeah. Also, when Trey or Jost, or I'm going to go back to when Jost says something really, really offensive, he always takes the part where he breaks and he blames the writers. He does not take accountability for any, like, controversial joke. It's either set up by Che or he's like, guys, come on, don't make me say this. And I think that aspect kind of tones it down where it's like, it's not coming from this exact person. They're it reminds you that there is a writing team of people that are doing this joke. And like, I think it kind of mellows out any of the more harsh jokes that Jost is more likely than Che set up to say. Yeah. But he does that three times a night, every single week. Yeah. It's just like after a <laughs> right. while, like, come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, Fred, let's do one more question together. If okay. you are good with that. Uh, this one comes mm -hmm. in from our friend Monette who said, should please don't destroy, try and do some live segments in addition to their pre tapes that's maybe perhaps the key for them not getting stale. So what do you think about that idea from Lynette? Should we see a PDD live sketch? I think we could. It's worth trying. And I think every once in a while, it could be very like novel. But in general, I think the pacing of their videos is really part of the charm. 
Um, like even in the movie, like what I loved most about the movie was not was really like the way they spoke to each other and the, how they interacted. Like it, I really didn't need the, the greater plot. I just wanted to see them banter. So like they could risk it in a live sketch, but that's what really appeals to me about the three of them. So I think people will be like pleased to see something like that, but it probably wouldn't excel as much on average to me. Yeah. I love the creativity of the question, Lynette. I just feel like yeah. um, at that point, like, are they just cast members? You know, <laughs> I know like we're already talking about that, but still Rebecca, what do you think? I really don't want to see it. I think what they, they've got a good thing going, like don't mess it up. I, I think the only way in which I would really like to see this is if they did a PDD styled video where then they turn into a live sketch. Like the whole concept is let's do a live sketch. And I think that could really work out. Or if they were to try it and like cut and then go back to like a recorded in the middle being like, no, 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 this is better. And like, it'd be pretty meta that way. And yeah, I mean, I'm saying this now and they've only been even in the credits for now five episodes. So I don't think they've gone stale, but last season they weren't in every single episode. So it was kind of exciting to see the PDD video and then even see online after they weren't in the episode, what they would have done. I think that might be the best way is to not make it a given. And then people would get more excited. Like I think if in this Emma Stone like episode, which I actually don't think so, because I think she would have great chemistry with them. But if in this Emma Stone episode, they didn't do one, people would be yearning a little more for the next two and it'd build up a little more excitement. Yeah, I think that perhaps there is a way to include a PDD short as a transition in an episode in a similar vein to what they did with that Mulaney episode where basically the PDD sketch turned into the Five Timers Club and there was like creativity with playing with the format there. We were just going nuts over that that week. And I just think like, there may be something there, but I agree with Fred. Like the fast-paced nature of those sketches is what made us fall in love with PGD in the first place with them coming on the show. And I think you lose that in the live sketch format. And I, look, I've seen them, and many of you have as well, like on their tour, and they are very funny on stage interacting with each other. So certainly it would work. I just think like at that point, like what are we doing? You know, like are like if they're the cast members or are they not? So I think if they twenty cast in, members, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So if they carved out a niche in the show, they carved out a niche in the show. Um, Fred, any other thoughts on season forty nine that you would like to share? No, I'm just really excited to see like the rest of the season and also what's going to happen with. It sounds like the community thinks Che and Jost are going to stick it out through fifty, um, but if they do or don't. And what that means, so like one of the questions you asked earlier was from me about the cast right. feeling inflated or bloated. You know, like I would wonder if like two of the cast members kind of kind of take over that spot. Um, so yeah. who would you yeah. want? I, f- I feel like a Longfellow with somebody else could do a, like a strong job. Um, and then like kind of like the old days where like he can still be in sketches as well. Just like that's not what's expected of him. Um, but yeah, and then like basically like yeah, like the I'm more interested in like how 49 leads into 50. Um, I'm kind of just like anxiously waiting to see that. But I mean, I have high hopes. I think the writing's been strong. So yeah, I would say again, if they're like fed up behind the scenes and just like wanting to move to other parts of their career, by all means, if they were gonna go at the end of 48, but then the strikes prevented them from getting a proper goodbye. 
by all means. But otherwise, I cannot envision a scenario where they don't want to be the anchors for the biggest season in the history of a show that has been on for half a century. Like, I just can't imagine that. So yeah. um, for me, we will see. I, I will, we'll have the answer very soon. Um, Fred, thank you for joining us tonight. Always thank such you. a pleasure to get to talk to you and appreciate you, man. Thanks. See you. Of course. Bye, Fred. Hope to speak to you soon. All right, Rebecca, we got another patron to talk to. We have some more questions to get to, so we'll keep the show rolling and let's bring in our friend Brennan here. So Brennan, how are you? Um, the Vikings are not doing very well on Monday Night Football. No. Is that no. a is that a TJ Hawkinson jersey you're wearing? It is. It is. Good guess. Yeah. Good guess. Yeah, yep. he's on my fantasy team. So Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yes, but I besides feel good. The yeah, what, what, yeah, how are you yeah. doing? Rebecca? I feel good. I said I have, I have Addison and I have um, wow and well, Chandler both benched. Both well, benched well, uh, yeah. Addison, his first career drop turned into an interception, so he was uh, uh, not yeah, to do too much fantasy football talk. But I, I do have Addison mm-hmm. on my bench this week as well. <laughs> yeah, good choice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Brennan, how are you feeling about uh, the last couple of episodes of season forty nine? Um, well, there's only been pretty much a couple anyway uh it's been a pretty good season um that's like not too high on it but i'm not also not low on it i haven't been low on a season in a long time so uh it's not out of the ordinary for me but it's just been um good i've liked what we've seen i've laughed um and that's what i like yeah i like laughing okay yeah well, I love your positivity. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would love to also ask you a couple questions, and then I know you have uh, some stats prepared to us, prepared for us from the uh, Reddit. Oh, uh, as always, yep. Of course. Mm-hmm. So let me uh, let me ask you uh, a couple questions right now. From uh, this one is also from our friend Ken, who's in the chat, and uh, Ken says five episodes into the new season, and we still have not had any cut for time episodes uploaded or cut for time sketches uploaded yeah. onto the show's YouTube channel. Last season, we only had a handful. Are the more frequent uploads of behind-the-scenes videos meant to be a replacement, even though it seems shorter to me than uh, behind-the-scenes videos from a few years ago? Or has the show felt like nothing from dress rehearsal was worth uploading? So my two cents on it is I don't think they have a plan for this stuff. I think whenever they're like, oh, that sketch was really fun, but like, I want to, uh, like, we need to get it out there. Like, I think that maybe they do that. Well, I think a good example perhaps is a couple of years ago when they had some like an Angelo got cut and then the community was like, we need more Aristotle Atari. But I, I really don't know like if there is a specific strategy in mind with regards to like when are they going to put out the dress stuff or not? Do you have an opinion on this, Brennan? Exactly. I don't I don't believe there's a strategy because um, I know a few years ago we'd, we'd get um, cut for time sketches, you know, after the season was over. Um, right, I might have only been one or two, but um yeah, uh, I hope hopefully it's not that there's just nothing good coming from dress because I like to read the dress recaps and stuff to see uh, what sketches are missing to see if um, you know they show up later in the season. But um, yeah, I don't um, think they have a plan. You're exactly I agree with you 100% with what you said. Um, I think they just release stuff when they feel like it. I I would feel kind of sad if the behind the scenes uh, stuff was a replacement for it but i think it's just um there's nothing they wanted to put out yet which uh, is kind of disheartening but um you know I, I love seeing an extra sketch every now and then so uh hopefully either they just have a backlog for you know when they're gone over the winter or if they have something to bring back over the summer uh that would be best case scenario 
I also have to wonder if a factor is, do you want to save a sketch with a good idea yes, that's always for another host? That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of it, if the writing's so strong this season, as we've talked about multiple times, I think, why would they want to throw something away that could be really good? And even looking at the episodes, all of like the super written for the host sketches we saw. So yep. I think that's also another reason is a lot of these could be reused, but I also like the idea of them saving content during the downtime and the off seasons. So I'm kind of hoping for that, but yeah, I think they probably just like sitting on them because they could use them. Yeah. Yeah. The only things that have been cut so far through five episodes that have aired is the uh, Sarah Sherman as JJ Gordon on update. That's the Colin Jost agent, which was cut from bad Bunny, mm-hmm. but then aired in uh, Bargatze. And then uh, Heidi's Crystal, the co-worker who's extremely busy doing seemingly nothing, was cut from Bargatze and aired in Chalamet. So it's only been two update pieces that have gone to air from there. Um, there was also a cut Colin Jost pre-tape from the first two episodes, Bud Light, Both Sides, which had to do with the Israel-Palestine. Oh, yeah, um, I read you know, about that. So, yeah. which, you know, <laughs> again, I, I don't think that's going to see the light of day. So, um, so or, yeah, uh, not. So <laughs> then, and then we also had a sketch which was cut two weeks in a row from Chalamet and Momoa, which was the medium seminar sketch with Mike mm-hmm. Day as the guy who can see, uh, you know, dead people. Uh, and that was, they would, they worked that for both hosts and it both, you know, they didn't make it. So the question was, is like, at what point is it, okay, we're never going to air this and then do one of those pop up in which case, very interesting stuff. Now we do know from this last episode from Momoa, that cab sketch that was in the end of the episode was a sketch that was cut from Kieran Culkin's episode back mm-hmm. at the beginning of season 47. So they had that one like held in the bank where yeah. the writers were like, we're going to bring this back one day and we're going to make it work. And they brought it back, I don't know, like I guess over two years later. So again, I, I think these things are factors here. Yeah, I'm so glad they brought that one back though. Right. I like it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if an alumni was to host the show, I see that Ken mentioned Will Ferrell sketches that they uploaded. Um, I think of they uploaded a couple Will Forte cut sketches. I think if an alumni was to host the show, um, they may air some stuff featuring alumni. I know they didn't do anything with Pete, but if it was to happen later, like a very popular alumni was to come host the show later in the season, perhaps we may get this. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's take this next question from at Justice for Augustus Gloop, who asks... Uh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> who asks, uh, should they have waited until season 50 to induct Emma as a five-timer? So, Brennan, do you think it was a mistake to pull the trigger now on Emma Stone, or should they have, you know, like, you still have a show to produce now? What, what do you think? Well, unless they are preparing to only do either returning hosts or returning um cast members for season 50 i don't think it um matters uh what when people come back especially if they have something to promote to promote um or if they just really like the show and want to be back uh i mean it would have been cool but i don't think it's anything more than just would have been a cool little thing because i'm really excited to see her um uh this week so rebecca should they wait until next year or you think now's our time yeah, I agree with Brennan. I think now is the perfect time. I mean, she's promoting something in a comedy sense. So I think that that's awesome room to come on and promote. I think it would be awesome to see like previous cast members or like some of the staple staples. Like when I think of like 
staple SNL host. I don't think of Emma Stone, but I, I am really excited to see her. I'm excited to see her get inducted into the Five Timers Club. But she's not someone that I'm looking back and like it screams to me being like, this is a legendary SNL host that doesn't that doesn't come to me and and no shade towards Emma, but like I I don't know. I think now's the perfect time. I think yeah, I also it's I think it says a lot that she's hosting a middle of the season. I think then that only means that there probably are more people that they have lined up for bigger moments and bigger slots. Yeah. I think you, you know, you have somebody ready to go. Don't wait on it. I, I think, you know, like let's, it, it, it's definitely like in the, uh, how do I say this? I, I think over the last five years, they've dealt with so much of the show and that's happened outside of the show as well, including COVID and these strikes that it's like, just take the people when you can get them and yeah. we'll worry about 50 when we get to 50. There is nothing to say that Emma Stone can't host again in season 50. I mean, she's that great of a host that it wouldn't, you know, hosting, it's not like five times and that's it. Like we've had many of six time hosts. So uh, for me, I would, you take the people and you get them, let's have a great season 49 and let's let the anticipation build for season 50 off of a great season 49. That's my two cents on it all. Okay, Brennan, you have some stuff prepared for us. So we want to know what Reddit thinks of the current SNL season. So this Rebecca, which I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but Brennan is very big on the subreddit and knows the pulse of all of those people who are there. And sometimes they have very different opinions than what we have here at the podcast. So oh, yeah. That's- oh, this is so fun because people on Reddit are ruthless. So yeah. I think this is going to be awesome. All right, yep. Brennan, I'll let you take the lead on this one. So what do you want uh, to uh, quiz us on? Well, first off, I want to uh, want you to guess what are the four least favorite things uh, so far this season. There's only been four things that have received a negative upvotes, which means more people dislike them than like them. Okay, can I have a question? Are yep. these things or people? So I got um, one cold open, one musical guest, one sketch, and one monologue. Okay. Okay, so cold open, musical guest, sketch, and monologue. We're thinking of the four things that Reddit liked the least. The Rebecca, least. do you have any, yep. do any guesses you want to throw out there? Okay, I'm thinking there was probably Boy Genius Backlash. Um, really? Wow. I I don't know. I thought they were mm-hmm. awesome, but I don't know if everyone like would agree. I've also seen, I saw them live literally the week before, and I think their performance style was very different in person than it was on the show. And I was anticipating something a little edgier. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I've personally seen Phoebe live once. I've seen Julian twice and I've seen uh, uh, Lucy twice. So not yeah, together. So but... I was kind of expecting a little, I've seen Phoebe now so many times. She's always at, I'm a music festival, like mm-hmm. I'm a Coachella outside lands and she's there every time. Oh yeah. So I've seen her a bunch, but I saw boy genius like at MSG, not M- yeah, at MSG. And it was like, mm-hmm very risque in like a really exciting way that like I was anticipating that. Uh, who was the opener for and that I one? Like, Sorry, we're going off topic, but I was just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> the opener was Muna. I Muna love four times. There's my poster. My, oh, my Muna poster. Oh. Well, I know, I noticed your Quinn poster. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's, let's do the SNL stuff. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you theorized that the musical guest, the people disliked the most was mm-hmm. uh, Tate was, yeah. uh, was are we Boy focusing Genius. on one at a time? Like, like, let's do one at a time. So <laughs> let's do one at a time. So I think uh, I'm going to say Tate McRae because I, I like Tate McRae a lot, but I just like I felt like I was on an island there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer was Ice Spice, least favorite. 
Interesting. Yeah. Reddit what? is so interesting. Yeah, I know. So it's, um, it's, so it's mostly rap. It's, it's not a rap does not go well. Rap doesn't, over doesn't here. work well with exactly. the Reddit group. Okay. Uh, yep. Then we're talking about uh, a monologue. So yep. I'm going to guess Momoa because it was so short. Rebecca? I'm going to guess Pete's because people expected more different than what he gave. Yeah, what, what is it? Right? Now, uh, this could be because someone misread the uh, musical guest Bad Bunny uh, section as the musical as the monologue oh. Bad Bunny section. Uh, okay. But um, yeah, it was Bad Bunny's monologue that was not. Yeah, Pedro uh, did not go over that, that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. Okay, then we have a cold open. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me. I mean, if yeah. I, I would be like disheartened if it was the episode one one with beats. So I no, hope no, that no. it's not. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> hope it's not that. Um, I, I I'd have to like for me at least. Like I we I think uh, we got the most material on the podcast talking about the things that we didn't like about that last cold open in episode five. So for me, I think the Panda cold open with Biden was a direction I really like wasn't so thrilled that the show went in. I can imagine mm. a lot of people felt the same way, but I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking the the Republican debate just because people are like, ooh, new impressions. And then they didn't get anything really strong from that. Yeah. Uh, so it was actually the first Joe Biden one, but you're right on uh, with the Panda How? one How? not being that exciting. We're so bad at guessing. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, this is, uh, we live in an opposite world from Reddit because uh, I don't get that at all. People didn't like Christopher Walken? Uh, yeah, I don't, it doesn't really matter. Like I said, the um, the cameos don't, don't really do anything. Uh, I, that here, may be the best cold open of the season, honestly, because yeah, we great. got the we got the Mikey is Biden surprise, which is like mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. storyline for the show, and we get like a legacy host who came in who ne- people thought like they'd never see on the show again, um, who was like on SNL forty for like two seconds uh, to mm-hmm. come back to the show, and yeah, I I think that is a uh, bad take. Reddit. It did have one of my <laughs> favorite lines where um, uh, Mike it was a uh, Longfellow is Mike. Mike Johnson, what's his name? That's his name, whatever. Uh, yes, think, yeah, yeah, it's yes. like, very uh, generic name. It's like now that I'm second in line to replace you, I want to see more of this ladder thing. Or he's getting up on the ladder, putting up Halloween yes. decorations. Yeah, Longfellow played Mike Johnson, and Devin Walker played Michael Johnson. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's gross. laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and, and then, then we have uh, one live sketch. Yep, the least favorite one of the year so far. Which one do you think it is? Oh. Rebecca, what do you think? Do you have any guesses on least favorite live sketch of the year? I don't know clearly these Reddit people, but I so I know it's different than this, but I'm going off the hot take show that I saw. I think the Troy Sivan sketch. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I can't really think of another live sketch that I was like, oh, um, though. Actually, there was one, but I'm trying to place it in my head now. Oh, maybe maybe it was one from Pete Davidson's episode, like that spaceship sketch didn't go over so well. I see Ken mentioned that one in the mm. chat. I'm trying to think of anything else I could think of, but yeah, I would say, I would say either one of those. John finally got it was spaceship sketch. The only thing that makes sense really? this yeah. so far in this list is a, yeah. I liked it. I thought it was funny, but yeah, it's not the best sketch of the year for sure. And if that's the least favorite one, that's not a bad take. So yeah, there's been, pre- mm-hmm. I'd say live sketches pretty decent so far this season. Mm-hmm. Like we've had yeah. some good live sketches. And then I'll just so, give uh I'll give the answers. Uh, what do you think's the best sketch so far this year that Reddit believed? Uh, Washington's dream. Mm-hmm. Yes, one hundred percent. 
that that makes sense. They're really good with sketches. I 100% uh, think that their sketch takes are really good because number two was the um, uh, Chloe Trost orphan sketch, and then uh, number three is actually also from the Nate episode, the um, uh, Chef Showdown sketch. Okay, I was gonna say the airplane sketch because I thought that one was great, but yeah, I like so it I too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. the best monologue this year was uh, Bargetti, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. Uh, Best musical guest, uh, Boy Genius. So opposite of what you believe. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Uh, well, let's guess. Um, Got other ones. Uh, what's what do you think is the best pre-tape this year? Best pre-tape this season, I think. Uh, got any guesses, Rebecca? Not my. I'm like blanking <laughs> on any pre-tape. I mean, I think from the Momoa episode, Sarah Sherman's was really good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that one was really good. I'm trying to think, have we had like a pre-tape that's gone over like really, really well? That was, um, I'll tell you, that's fourth, fourth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Unless I'm I'm reading something else wrong. I think I might be reading it wrong, but it's up there. It's it's good. It's it's pro. pro. Reddit was pro that one, so. Okay, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Trying to think about uh, so other pre-tapes from the season, just talking this through out loud on the podcast. So uh, I will uh, tell you that one PD. Oh, I'm just sketch. Pete. I'm just Pete. Yeah, I was, that's so I, number I, one. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say maybe the Age of Discovery one with Bad Money. Yeah, that's up there. That's uh, that one was yeah. fourth. That one was fourth. Okay, cool. Okay. So what's two and three? Uh, PDD Princes of Comedy, the first one of their year, and then um, uh, Lake Beach is number three. Right, right oh. in front of uh, Age of Discovery, only by about two votes. So, okay. Um, so, good. and weekend update. I'll, I'll, I'll do this one real quick. Uh, well, the cold open was another one that you got right. Was the, um, the Pete cold open, and then the GOP debate was also very popular. Uh, but weekend update. Um, the most popular thing by a long shot was Colin Jost, um, getting kind of pranked by, uh, Che. But the actual best, um weekend update feature was uh remember lizards uh so i agree there you go yeah. right i got mm-hmm. that one right that was that was a lot of fun uh very cool brennan well thank you for joining us tonight on the show good luck As to always, your vikings yep. tonight and, uh, we'll uh, see. second half <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking forward to having you back on soon mm-hmm. thank you guys thanks brennan bye all right, Rebecca. So we have a few more questions to get to before we wrap up tonight's show. So let's just uh, get to all of our last uh, three or four questions that we have here. So I want to take this next question that comes in from uh, Kylie, who says, Hi. Hi, Kylie. Uh, curious of your thoughts on a weekend update as we head towards the end of the season. How much longer do you think Jane just are on for? I'm curious your thoughts on reforming at that has been tested in a few episodes as well. I only see pros and cons of having one weekend update feature. Um, right. So we talked about this a little bit before with Shay and Jost. I gave my two cents on it all. But for you, if you had to make a decision on this or any predictions, what do you think is going to happen with Shay and Jost moving forward? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to stay through season 15. I think that that'll be their big farewell, in my opinion. I don't see any reason unless they're like really, really itching or there's some big big movie moment for either one of them that like it's going to completely skyrocket their career i don't think that they would leave um i am liking this new format if there's not an incredible weekend update character then let's do another sketch i think sometimes in the past i love weekend update it's kind of that like the seventh inning stretch of the show like you get up you you get your water you're listening you're laughing at the jokes and when the characters come on they're either really good or within the first 30 seconds i tune out completely. And I think if there's someone that like 
is not going to come up there and just completely slay, then like, don't show it. So I like this new format. I like that they don't feel the need to have two people on there and see some other content on the show. Yeah, I I actually have always felt like two people, two different correspondents coming mm-hmm. in with the weekend update desk is the right spot yeah. uh, for that. I think. Who do you think would replace them though? Um, yeah, I honestly felt like uh, for a long time I felt like Bowen and Ego would be yeah. like the right duo for that. Like I could just their, yeah. their chemistry like radiates on the screen. I think it's like you know I think from a, it's not because they are diverse, but I think the fact that they are diverse like really helps in that situation as well. And um, yeah, I mean I, I I think it's like also time like it's also time to have like a man yeah. and a woman together on the desk. I agree. Like you know like it's I agree. Yeah. I, I, that, that's the people I was going to throw in also, but I see Chloe really like vying for the role. I don't know Fine, why Feynman I just get that trust? trend. You're saying Chloe Feynman? Fine. Chloe Feynman. See, I don't see I that see at all. I'm just being, I'm wanting, being No, I just think she like would love to be Amy Poehler and like that's the trajectory she kind of sees for herself yeah. or, and like that's the next step. I don't think that's where she should be, but I think, I mean, my, my vote was going to be for Bowen and Ego. I think Ego's kind of hitching her way there too and Bowen seems a little tired just like listening to a lot of his content and like real life he just seems tired in person because his career just like blew up and then like now it's a lot so and he's in all these movies I think it would be a great spot for them so those are gonna be my two okay all right very very fair uh next question that came in from Amanda B who says Will season 49 have 23 episodes total or only 21 because the two that were lost due to the strike? Well, there was actually three lost, Amanda, due to the strike. So in that case, you would look at 24, which would be the most amount of episodes since 1975-76, the first season of the show. But in fact, I believe we are looking at just 20 episodes this season. So we're not going to make up for the three lost episodes. And we were not going to make up for the one extra episode I think we would have gotten had the season started on time. So we are now five episodes in, 15 episodes to go. I am pretty sure that is what the schedule will be for the rest of the season. You know what, actually, when we were just talking with Brennan about like the, like the not a lot of like dress rehearsal sketches, that could also be a reason why is that like, I know they weren't like fully working and doing all those things for the three missed episodes, but like, there was a lot of downtime to plot and write. And I think maybe they adopted some sketches even from last season that they would have done. So maybe that, maybe that's one of the reasons why there aren't that many uh, dress rehearsal ones. Yep. That's certainly a factor. Yeah. So like, we're going to get to, we're going to have three more episodes coming up. We're going to get to eight total. So I think we'll probably be looking at four runs of three episodes coming up in 2024. So that is uh, at least until, you know, the May break and then uh, to wrap up for uh, what I would assume would be a regular 21 episode season in 24, 25 or season 50, accounting for the fact that there will be that 50th anniversary show, I think likely in February, and then also the 20, uh, that's no, it's not an Olympic year, is it? Uh, no, no, it wouldn't be. So yes, it is. Wait. Thought, uh, yeah, it would be no, 25, 26 would be the Olympic year, I think. So. Uh, okay why do i feel like they were just plugging the paris olympics on the so it's the summer olympics that are coming up this summer oh you're right you're right okay that's yeah it's the winter olympics that affect snl where we basically don't have the show for a month so i think got it honestly i didn't know why you were bringing up the olympics Um, i was like sure it's olympic schedule so that that i think we wouldn't have that thing until 51 um 
All right, last question that comes in from at Gavin McCrevin, uh, who says, uh, do you foresee a Nathan Fielder cameo this weekend? And I'm gonna, you know, hand this off to you, Rebecca, because my pop culture knowledge is pretty vast, but I do have a blind spot for Nathan Fielder. Like, I'm not sure, like, is he like a Sasha Baron Cohen type? Like, I just haven't interacted with, you know, his experience or watched like Nathan for you or anything like that. So do we expect it? And like, what would you expect from him if he was to be on the show this weekend? You're missing out first. Um, I'm going to try. And it. then second, yeah, I think you should. Um, I don't see it. I would say maybe if it wasn't a five timers episode, I think we will hopefully see some cameos there. I'm kind of hoping for like a women in the five timers club, like inductee ceremony. Cause I think that would be really awesome. I mean, we have Tina Fey, we have Scarlett Johansson, which is a nice and easy get for them. Melissa McCarthy, like, it seems like we can Drew Barrymore even, and I think well, actually she's in LA because of her show. So I don't know about that. I but thought she moved. I don't know. Oh no, it was, it was uh, that's no, Kelly. It was Kelly. That's Kelly, Kelly Carson. Carson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't think Nathan Fielder would do it. I think they would be awesome though. He doesn't seem like the type to want to do that either. But like for example, they're doing promo for this movie, and they are making fun of Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell uh, doing like their exact interview and like it's Emma and Nathan, which is such an awkward, really seemingly good chemistry. So I would be excited for it, but I don't see him as the type to take this opportunity. And I don't even know if I see him like fully hosting. Like, I kind of think it would be awesome, but like, I don't know. And he doesn't, he doesn't give me that type. He is more of a Sasha Baron Cohen type. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, is the like uh, short version of Nathan Fielder and who he is, just so I understand, like if he is on the show this weekend, is he like a Sasha Baron Cohen type where he's like always playing like versions of himself, but like as like different people? Yes. Well, no, he's just always playing really versions of himself. Okay, I wouldn't even okay. say as different people. So he's, not, he's not like creating it's like, like a Borat really type characters, you know? No, okay, not yet, it. at least. We, we don't yeah. know this. And I... I, I would be really shocked, actually, but I would be so happy. I think it would bring a lot to the episode, but I do think because it's a five-timers, if they're really going to put their eggs into cameo baskets, it should be something relevant to that. Got it. Okay, Rebecca, anything else you would like to say about season 49 as we're about to head towards the Emma Stone and Noah Khan episode? Um, Going into this, I think uh, we've spoken a lot about the Gen Z aspect I kind of attribute Noah Kahan with like as Gen Z. I don't know. I don't think he technically is, but I think that's a lot of his fan base right now. I am so excited to see him perform. I are I'm away this weekend, so I'm so disappointed because he is someone that I would sit online for and try and get tickets because I still haven't seen it SNL live yet. One but day. I one day. But I I think so that'll be awesome. I think the season so far has been really exciting and the feedback has been generally really strong so i'm just excited to keep the momentum going and i really hope that the momentum does keep going in my opinion there and yeah emma stone will be great she's it's a she's a classic i think like as a person she's really malleable and she also like has her own type of like emma stone-ish character so i think this episode should be a knockout of the park looking at the writing this season so far i think the content's there, the people are there, and I'm excited for this one. And I'm also excited for them to announce the final two of the season because I think, again, momentum strong. The repeat hosts have been really, really awesome. And I like a repeat host. I also like someone new. So maybe they'll take 
this one after Emma to have someone that's their first time and then end on like a really high, maybe past cast me multiple time host. Um, so yeah, I am really optimistic. I don't know if I could have said the same about like season 48, 47, but I don't know. This has been like the most optimistic I've been about SNL. I think since I've been on the podcast with you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I love that. So uh, speaking of the host announcements, I think we're looking at maybe tomorrow afternoon, if not Wednesday afternoon. I don't know anything for sure. I haven't been told when they're announcing that. But in previous years, they seem to be making announcements uh, the week after Thanksgiving prior to that first December show to announce it and get time to do press and get people excited about those upcoming shows. So I would look out for that. Of course, as soon as we know and we get the embargo time, uh, we will have uh, the announcement on our social media. As soon as SNL announces it, we announce it as well. So that's always very exciting to get to talk about who's going to be hosting these upcoming two shows. So take a look at our social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, to see everything that we have going on at the SNL Network. We have a ton of Emma Stone content that's going to be coming out all week long, so I'm sure you will enjoy that if you give us a follow. And then for the podcast schedule coming up, so the only other show we have between now and the Emma Stone uh, episode is our next edition of our countdown of the greatest SNL cast members of all time. We are headed towards the top 10. We're going to do 12, 11, and 10 this week, so very exciting stuff. It's just getting very intense. So that will be on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So you can join us back here Wednesday in a couple days for that show. And then, of course, we have the Hot Take Show, the Roundtable. We have By the Numbers. We have another Countdown Show next week. And we will also have our exclusive SNL sketch breakdown exclusively for Patreon, for uh, patrons of the SNL Network at uh, patreon.com slash the SNL Network. So you can go find us there to make sure to uh, check out that show and then perhaps join us on a future feedback show which will be very fun to wrap up the first half of the season with whoever wants to come on there. I am very appreciative of all the patrons who signed up to join us for this show. Rebecca, it was so much fun getting to talk to all of them. Yeah, it was so much fun. I mean, you know, John just rattled off a million different shows, so make sure to subscribe here because <laughs> yeah. we have it all. Uh, but yeah, this this feedback show and the patrons were awesome. I think it's cool to speak to multiple people from different areas and different opinions. I think that really makes an episode and the varying opinions are great. And these questions were awesome. So thanks everyone for submitting those. Absolutely. So you can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and then you will never miss a show. All right. On behalf of Rebecca North and myself, John Schneider from the SNN, we will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.